Good morning. Uh, I'm Mark Schwarting, and uh, I'm here uh, because Pastor Evans is at the hospital, and uh, it's a sobering time for them. And I have a fairly light message for you this morning, so I'm, I'm going to negotiate this as best I can, and hopefully it'll be uplifting and encouraging and a, a word of blessing, a word from God for you this morning with what he's given me to, to present. Uh, I'd like to begin with a prayer. Lord Jesus, I just, uh, I'm feeling weak and humble this morning. Uh, I need you to move through me to deliver a message that will encourage the body of Jesus Christ and lift them up and encourage them in re their relationship with you. So please uh, use me in a, in a simple way to be a blessing to these people this morning. So last summer, uh, my wife went to Europe. She was gone for a couple months, and uh, I stayed home with the dog. And uh, that's when I started working uh, on this sermon. I spent the summer trying to, you know, I was alone a lot, so I tried to deepen that relationship that I have with God. I wanted to understand some things about him that I just hadn't fully understood in my 64 years on this earth so far. Uh, there's just things I haven't grasped. I wasn't even sure I knew what it truly meant to just follow after him. And so uh, that's how this came about. Um, this is by far the most unusual sermon I've ever written. When I was in Bible college, uh, we were taught the expository preaching method where you start with a text and then you uh, fill it out with other texts that support your uh, discussion and other stories to strengthen it. And so um, I'm violating all of those rules. I'm violating all of those rules today. Um, and I want to offer my apologies to Professor Brown. So how many of you have a pet dog? How many of you have a pet dog? Okay. We have quite a few pet dogs out there. Uh, we have a pet dog, and uh, I don't know if we, are we able to get a picture of small dog up there today? There is, that's small dog. I'm so glad you're able to see him because as you can see, he's a man's dog. Yeah, yeah. You can see why I sing to him. I sing, a mighty fortress is small dog. Because that's him. Uh, he's a sweet little guy. Uh, we got him for our daughters. But, uh, and they named him, they named him Sir Gawain. An unusual name. It's a name of one of the Knights of the Round Table. Sir Gawain. I always thought it was a rather strange name, so I just call him Small Dog. And uh, my youngest son... Uh, when he uh, found out his name was Sir Gwain, he started calling him Lil Gwain. You know, like the rapper, Lil Gwain? Yeah, he called him Lil Gwain. But if I just want to give him a rapper name, I just call him Tiny D. So, small dog or Tiny D. Um, if you would read in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, you'll see there where God speaks to Balaam through his donkey. He talks to him through his donkey. I figure if he can speak to a man through a donkey, he sure take simple me and give me some ideas through small dog.
So I realized that attempting to know more about following God with the analogy of me as God and small dog as me, it fails immediately. It's not going to work. I hope that I am doing a little bit better job of following after God than small dog is of following me, but I might not be right about that. Maybe I'm unaware that God has to backtrack all the time to find me sniffing around at her picnic tables and around trash cans. I don't know. So I thought, what if I reversed the analogy? What if uh, I followed small dog in order to learn what it's like to follow God when I have no way of knowing where he's going? Yeah, I have some unusual thoughts. <laughs> I said, One night I decided to take small dog uh, on a walk and follow him wherever he went without having him on the leash. So I said to him, Prito a ti te gusta ir un paseo? Because small dog and I are learning Spanish together, and after two years we're about both at about the same level. Uh, we went outside, and I was immediately impressed with how scary this might be. Unlike my all-knowing God, I have a know-nothing dog. He could choose to walk down the middle of a busy street. He could go up to a couple sitting on their porch and poop right in front of them. He could choose to attack that pit bull that could eat him in two bites. He could take me on a chase of a rabbit or someone's cat, or he could just keep on walking and never come back home. I read in a book this summer that every semester, Scott McKnight, a professor of religious studies at North Park University in Chicago, gives his students a test on the first day of his Jesus class. The, text, the test begins with a series of questions about what the students think Jesus is like. Is he moody? Does he get nervous? Is he the life of the party? Or is he an introvert? The 24 questions are then followed by a second set with slightly altered language in which the students answer questions about their own personalities. The results are remarkably consistent. Everyone thinks that Jesus is just like them. McKnight added, the test results also suggest that even though we like to think we are becoming more like Jesus, the reverse is probably the truth. We try to make Jesus like ourselves. And these results confirm what French philosopher Voltaire said three centuries ago. If God has made us in his image, we have returned him the favor. Do you see where I'm going with this? Maybe Jesus isn't just like I thought he was. Maybe I don't know him all that well. How do I know if I'm becoming more like Christ? How do I know if I'm truly following him? Now, I don't have any illusions about remaking small dog in my image, and I'm definitely not interested in becoming more like small dog, unless that meant lying around the house all day and eating whenever I want, which I kind of do sometimes anyway. But I wondered how often in my life am I trying to direct God where I think he should take me? instead of simply trusting and following regardless of where he might lead me. And that's the thinking that got me out 
walking around Lincoln behind Small Dog one evening. Now, I know that Small Dog likes to stay on the sidewalk. I know he likes to walk around past the home that has a little dog treat house in the driveway. He might just follow our usual route, and so I set off behind an unrestrained Small Dog. At one point, he did walk down the middle of a street, but it was a side street and there was no traffic and it was deserted. Um, at one point, we come to a sprinkler spraying across the sidewalk and I really didn't want to get wet. And so I just casually suggested that I would really like not to go through that sprinkler. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but dog will be done, right? So. At that point, he actually wandered off the sidewalk and he wandered out in the street around the sprinkler. Um, he actually went uh, where I thought he would go. He didn't attack any other dogs, he didn't chase any cats, and he didn't poop on anyone's porch. All of my fears about how this would work were unjustified. Now, unlike my know-nothing dog, I have an all-knowing God. He loves me so much, he gave his life that I might have a relationship with him. He knows me better than I know myself, and he will lead me like a good shepherd. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you says the Lord, plans to prosper you and harm and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's our God. So why am I trying to dictate where his will should take me? If I really want to follow Jesus and know him better, shouldn't I stop directing and start following? Shouldn't my prayers become more of thy will be done unless my will be done? I realize my walk needs to become more of a Psalm 23 walk. You know, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I probably should offer a spoiler alert here for Dan's class. We're actually going to go past the first five words of the chapter. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the walk that he wants me to have. prodigal small dog. Now, whenever I open the front door to go out and get the mail or something, small dog comes running from wherever he's at in the house and tries to run out with me. I don't know if your dog does that, our dog does that. He wants to go out and sniff his favorite fire hydrant. And after he sniffs that, then he wants to sniff trees and he wants to sniff around the mailbox and all of this stuff. And... Uh, I call for him to come back, and he ignores me. 
Eventually, I lose patience with him, and I have to go out and get him. Now, God, on the other hand, God does not lose patience with me. Isn't that amazing? He waits for me to get done with my sniffing around, just like the father waited for the prodigal to come back home in the parable that Jesus told. Like small dog, the prodigal son should not have been leaving the house like he did. And once he was out, he did all kinds of sniffing around until he ran out of resources. And like the prodigal, small dog would eventually wander back up to the front door if I only had the patience of the father to wait. I know because I forgot he was out there a few times. Uh, But that waiting, it's just so irritating. How does God the Father so patiently wait for us to return home? You prodigals, isn't it time that we returned home? Isn't it time we ran into the waiting arms for Jesus Christ? He's longing for us to do so. Small dog in the Garden of Eden. So, it's, it's late one Sunday afternoon, and Kathy has been gone for over a month, and I'm trying to decide, how do I make this just a special kind of day? And so that evening, as it cooled off, I decided to take Small Dog for a walk, and I'm thinking, at least I can make it a special day for Small Dog, right? And that's when I heard a small, quiet voice say, what could be more special than a private walk in the cool of the day with me. And those words kind of resonated with me. And it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It wasn't small dog. And I thought back to the the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.8, where Adam and Eve used to have those walks with God before they sinned. And I, I realized that because of what Christ has done, those walks could be reinstituted because of what Christ has done. And I enjoyed a peaceful, wonderful walk in the cool of the day with my Savior and Lord that evening. I'd encourage you to do the same. You don't even have to take your dog along. Uh, Your poo has separated you, small dog. Your poo has separated you, small dog. Sometimes small dog eats his own vomit. And sometimes he rolls in his own poo. And afterwards, he stinks to high heavens, and then no one wants to hold him or pet him or get anywhere near him. I'm just amazed that McKenna will even allow him to come into her lap when he stinks so bad. Uh, He can't understand why we steer clear of him, but until he gets a bath, that's the way it's going to be. Now, I don't understand how offensive my sin is to our holy God. I can't wrap my mind around it, but I started to realize that maybe small dog rolling in his own poo is like me rolling in my own poo when I sin against God. I stink so bad that he can't be around me. And I know that my sin is far more offensive to God than a stinky small dog. Until we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, there can be no relationship with God, and you can forget the cuddling and kisses. 
In Isaiah 59, chapter 1, the prophet said, uh, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's the bad news. The good news is in 1 John 1, 8, where the uh, apostle wrote, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Oh, that wonderful cleansing, stench removal that God has provided through confession. So grateful for that. That relationship can be reestablished because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins. Small dog in God's kingdom. In his book, The Normal Christian Life, Watchman Nee tells of an encounter that he had with a preacher of a social gospel, of love and good works. And I'm kind of putting myself in that illustration here. Here's how it went. I will admit I am not an animal lover like some of you are. I really like small dog. I may even love him but it's a different kind of love than I have for my three sons. I have three sons, Jason, Jeff, and Scott. It's a different kind of love. They all have uh, my life in them, which entitles them to be called my children. Small dog does not. He's not my offspring. He came to me as a puppy, but he did not come from me, and he will never be small dog Schwarting because he does not have my life in him. Whether he is a good dog or a bad dog is totally irrelevant. The fact remains that he won't be called my son. Now, in the same way, any person, whether bad or good, can never be a child of God as long as they remain unredeemed. It's not about whether they are a good person or a bad person, the only way to become a child of God is to have God's life in us. That only happens when we give our lives to Christ and he transforms us into a new person. Watchman Nee wrote, Our only hope is to receive the Son of God, and when we do so, his life in us causes us to become children of God. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. In the book of Acts, in chapter 4, verse 12, Peter told the religious rulers, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one way to become a child of God, to enter into that kingdom, and that's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome you this morning into the family if you've never made that decision. I'd like to 
have you joined me as a brother or sister in Christ? And so I'd just like to ask you to bow your heads and pray with me. And if you've never made that decision, uh, please consider it this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've tried to do things the way I thought they should be done, and I failed miserably. I'm desperately in need of a Savior. And I understand that you've provided salvation through Jesus Christ. But if I accept him as my Savior, you look at his perfection and don't see my sinfulness. You've forgiven my sins in Jesus Christ. And so I accept that wonderful, precious gift that you've given. I accept salvation in Jesus Christ as a gift you've given me. I want to receive him into my life, and I want to follow him for the rest of my days. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for me. It's in your name I pray. And I would welcome you into the family of God.